You're listening to Radio Influence. You've seen Chef Ryan Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, hey, Friday. What's going on, everybody, in the Duffified Live world? Happy Friday the 13th. Yep, Friday, March 13th, 2020. Do you guys know that we're three months into the year already? That's how fast this is moving. That's kind of crazy if you think about it. That's like, uh, it's, it's mayhem. May or March 13th. Unbelievable. Think about it. We've already gone through the cold. January, February, went through Valentine's Day, Friday the 13th. See, we're already starting off on a weird way. We need to put like some weird music in here, like Friday the 13th music. I am uh, superstitious. I don't know if a lot of people know that. I'm just weird superstitious. Certain things, 13s, sixes, um, those sort of things uh, I try to stay away from. Um, derivatives of each one of those. I'm not a fan of, uh, I'm just weird like that. I'm not like an OCD, like flip the light switch kind of guy, but we have little things in my world and in my family, uh, that are a little superstitious. Like when we go into a Wawa, anybody who knows what a Wawa is, uh, on the East coast, we have these convenience stores called Wawa. They're great. Um, but when we go into a Wawa, if there are, uh, two doors. So like normally a walk in, um, we go in one door. We have to go out the other door. You can't go in the same door that you went out. Um, it's just a weird thing that we've done with my girls. And, um, it's kind of funny because to watch them now in this day and age, like walk into like a post office where they'll walk up one side of the steps and come out and go down the other side of the steps. Um, like they're just stupid little things that we have, but I am superstitious and I do, uh, I I do kind of shy away from certain things. So like 13s and sixes, like I was saying, um, I am a creature of habit. So I have like rituals, like when I walk in my house, the first thing I have to do is I have a a fish bone. It looks like it's like an iron uh, sculpture of fish bones on my wall. I have to put my keys right there no matter what, because if I put them anywhere else, I'm going to lose them. And there's a yawn for all of you because I'm tired. Um, I've had a couple of crazy weeks, but. I was down in West Palm uh, two weeks ago. I went down and uh, did a quick uh, chill, Uh, super quiet, saw my buddy, hopped on the boat, and just kind of chilled out. I needed that a little bit. I'm trying to do a little bit more of that this year, some more of the personal time, spending time with my family and friends. Um, Last year really ripped me apart. You know, I mean, that amount of time on the road, being away from home that much, Um, you know, struggling through relationships and, um, you know, family events and, you know, my daughter going away to college and all that stuff. I'm really trying to spend a little bit more time at home. So to be able to get out there and do what I've done the last couple of weeks, you know, I I spent a a, a great weekend up in Northeastern Pennsylvania a couple of weeks ago, just going skiing. Um, you know, my ribs are still a little bruised. 
from a fall that I had up on Montage Mountain. But I mean, I went up to Montage Mountain and I hopped on this on the lift. I did 20, almost 25 runs, in like four and a half hours uh, on a on a Saturday afternoon into the night. Um, just a great time. You know, I, I've I've uh, I just recently started skiing again and I know it's March, but um, I'm ready to go up to Vermont because they got snow all year round. It feels like. But uh, I wanted to get back into it. And um uh, you know, I started dating somebody and we've had conversations back and forth about the outdoors. And, um, and it was one of the things that I've really wanted to get back into for years, but I never really had anybody to share that stuff with, even with my girls, they love being outside and, but they're older now, 16 to 19. They don't want to hang out with dad as much, especially when he's, you know, huffing it up the side of a mountain. Um, but, uh, I did. So montage mountain, this is going to be a shout out to you guys. I want to thank you. Um, for, uh, I learned how to ski on Montage Mountain multiple years ago and, uh, 27, 28 years ago, I learned how to ski on Montage Mountain. And, uh, I was back up there for the first time on skis this, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. And it was, it was, it was exhilarating. Um, I appreciate, uh, Jeff who does the marketing up there, uh, for communicating with me and, um, let me hop on the mountain for a period of time and play up there. So thank you very much. And then the next day I got to ski with one of my old friends, a guy named, uh, Jim Frankowski, um, who is one of my dear friends from, from college days. And, you know, life has kind of moved forward. I kind of ran through the culinary gamut within the industry and, you know, I don't get to see my friends as much and, um, and I was really glad to be able to reconnect with, uh, with Jim and, and his wife and the kids and hop up on the mountain with everybody. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, I'm working my butt off during the weeks. Um, and then if I have to be in the restaurant on the weekends, then I'm going to be there, but I'm really trying to take some personal time and spend time with the people that mean the most to me. Um, because look, we're getting older. And, and life is so fast and I keep finding this cell phone and computer and iPad and that is replacing the, the human interaction of what we all have. And, and I think that that's a, it's a huge problem with where we are these days because I can easily retort, you know, with a, 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 a with a, a sarcastic manner or something like that, and somebody can take that as either negative or positive based on the way that they're reading it, you know. And and I think that that interaction of human to human conversation is going away, and that's why I love this show so much because we talk, we talk about things, we communicate about different stuff. I mean, the guests that we've had on through 125, 26, 27 episodes is, is, is just unmatched. You know, we've talked to so many different walks of life and heard so many different stories of so many people. So, um, this show has taken on a new meaning to me for this year. And I know that it's March and we're three months in right now, but the show I'm hoping you guys are feeling it on the other side. Um, I want it to be more personable. I want it to be more personal and more personable. I want people to come on here and talk about, you know, what it's like to be at home and to be a dad and be a chef at the same time. You know, what is the impact on the relationships with that sort of stuff? This isn't a therapy show. This is a real life show. This is what we're talking about to real life people. So not actors or any of the other bullshit. I mean, look, man, we're talking about Rick Steele. That motherfucker ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents and then came home and four days later his car won Daytona or got fourth place at Daytona 500. Like 
that conversation was brilliant to me. That's the stuff that I look forward to. And I'm glad you guys enjoy it as well. So I'm not going to harp on too much of that stuff uh, that much. You know, my big goal, like I said, for this year is to make this show. Um, uh, really, I want it to be a launch pad for people that want to get into the industry. And I want it to be a sounding board for people that are in the industry. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still looking for four line cooks that I want to do in one episode. I want to talk to four hourly employees. And if you know anybody who would you think would be interested or that is interesting to be on the show, which any of them would be, I mean, I'm going to ask the whole our questions. You know, I want to know. I want to have four hourly employees that are just working. I want to talk to you guys ASAP. So you can reach out to us at assistant at chefbrianduffy.com. Okay. That is a great place to go to, to send something. You can also message us um, through Instagram on Duffified Live. That's a great opportunity right there. Uh, we monitor that every single day. Um, or you can reach out to me directly at Chef Bride Duff um, on Instagram or Twitter as well to get that information. But I'm looking for four good line cooks. So, um, Speaking of good cooks, our guest this week um, is somebody that I've been uh, I've wanted to talk to for a while, and I'm really glad we got the opportunity to um, to to get him on and to talk and have a conversation. So um, about ten or eleven years ago, uh, through social media and through uh, you know through some people that I realized during the interview at the beginning that we were introduced via my cousin, which was so weird because I forgot about that. Um, but we're going to talk to Chef uh, Matt Mitro today, who's uh, an owner and operator and chef of flower restaurants in Cleveland with his pasta store, his pasta wholesale department, um, his outlet that he has over at the Cavs Stadium, um, plus his restaurant. Um, so we've got a good chef on this week. I hope you guys are going to enjoy this show because I know that I did. So everybody do me a favor. Oh, happy Friday the 13th, Mugs. What's up, Chef? What's up, Chef Duffy? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm real good. It. Uh, you and I haven't talked. Uh, we talked when you had. How, well, how many years ago was it? Uh, we talked for like a brief second. I don't know if you remember this or not. Yeah, it's been a long time. I, I think uh, I, I gave you a call to kind of ask for some advice for, for stove monkeys, and and yeah. I, I got you a hat. Right, you had a hat. Dude, it was one of my favorite hats. That's what I was saying. I. I I have hats all around the the ceiling of the restaurant, like all around the border of the restaurant. And I was telling my guys that you were going to be on the show because I loved Stove It was such an awesome logo. Just the whole, the monkey with the fucking chef's hat on, like it was badass. I appreciate that. I really do. do you, let me ask you a question. Do you still have the hat? I don't, don't. That was why I was saying I was pissed. I don't have the hat anymore because my guys are like, well, why don't you have the hat? And I'm like, I know I got a problem with that as well. So. <laughs> Well, that, that would have been pretty cool. Uh, I, I don't have any hats left. So, uh, so what? What? Whatever happened? With, first off, why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and how people can get in contact with you? So my name is Matthew Mitro. Um, I'm a chef, obviously. Uh, I have a restaurant here in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, it's actually suburbs of Cleveland um, called Moreland Hills, and it's called uh, Flower Restaurant. So it's spelled F L O U R. Um, obviously we, uh, we specialize in, you know, doughs, pastas and pizzas and that kind of stuff. And we also have, um, we also have a, uh, flower pasta company. So it's a wholesale, uh, retail, um, pasta that we sell to restaurants and to grocery stores. 
And then we also have a place called Flower Pizza Company, which is in the, um, it's just a, uh, it's a satellite uh, concession at the Cavs Stadium or Rocket, we call it the Rocket, Mor- Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. So if you're ever up here, you go to a game, you can, you can grab a, uh, a fresh pizza, they, they hand spin them and everything. And then um, you, can ch- you can find me on um, Instagram, chef underscore mitro, M-Y-T-R-O, uh, and on Twitter, uh, same handle as well. Nice, dude. So, uh, you know, I talked to Rocco Whalen a couple of weeks ago. He was on the show. Yeah, that's my fam. He's um, Rocco's one of my my uh, good friends, and he's become like a uh, a good family member of mine. He's a really, really good dude. Solid dude. Yeah. I mean, one of totally. the best. Really. Yeah, we and he's, we we met out west and uh, uh, kind of instantly hit it off. I've always been a big fan of his and the way that he does his stuff and. It's just, it's a very impressive, you know, his, his little, his empire of Fahrenheit is, is really neat. It's good to see. It really is. My, uh, my wife actually worked for Rocco for about like oh, really? probably 10, 10 years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Dude. There, yeah. She yeah. was a server so, like, of Fahrenheit. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. She worked with Rami. Mean, she started with Rocco, I think, uh, man, maybe at like 19 or 20 and she's, I'm not going to age her now, but she'll probably kill me, but you know, you get it. It was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, you already did because you told us you worked there for 10 yeah, years. Yeah, I know. So yeah, we got that. Oh, well. did. <laughs> I'll make sure I fast forward this part when she listens to it. I like it. I like it. So <laughs> so what's going on with you now, man? I mean, so let's let me let's start off with Stove Monkey. Like, what was the whole kind of idea behind that? So just so everybody knows, uh, years ago, and, and honestly, Matt, I don't even know how we connected in that way. I mean, because I, I think I like Gordo. That's right. Yeah. Holy shit. I totally forgot about that. I forgot yeah. you were friends with my cousin. Yep. Your, your cousin was like, Hey man, I reach out to Brian Duffy. He's he, he'll help you out. Cause I was trying to get stove monkeys off the ground. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to right. go. And he, he's like, reach out to Brian. He'll, he'll help you out. That's so funny. Gordon's a good dude. He is. I haven't seen those I haven't guys seen him in a long time. Neither have I at all. I mean, I think yeah. every now and then there might be, you know, like a Facebook thing or something like that, but I haven't seen those guys in forever. And his cousin and his brother, my other cousin, uh, uh, John, who was the DJ. I don't know if I know John. So what kind of D what kind of he DJ was like, dude, he was like, he shut down a, 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 a tunnel in Pittsburgh and they threw a rave. they told the town they basically pulled permits to shoot they were saying they were shooting a movie and they threw a rave yeah his name was dj johnny blista and he was like okay he was like big time in the edm world big time okay like everybody knew who he was he's a jewelry designer out in california now really yeah yeah he was a really they're, they're they're a neat family they're a good group of people so they're Mother is my mother's cousin, so that's kind of how we all connect in that way. I totally forgot gotcha. about it. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I grew up. Man. I remember. I, I I listened to your podcast. You said your family grew up in Euclid, right? That's where so, I'm from. Oh yeah, my mother's from Euclid. She grew up on Beach Ave. Beach Ave. I believe it's Beach. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know that the one thing I know, the thing that I really remember about Euclid and that whole area, is that it was like. All of the houses looked the same. Yep. You know, it was like that ranch style house, short driveway close to the street. 
kind of step 40, you know, like in that way. Yep. And my that's, other that's cousins live in Mentor. Mentor, yep. That's where Rock was from. And Mentor on the Lake. Yeah, that's where, that's where like my mother's whole family's from is that area. My mother went to St. Elizabeth for gotcha. Metford Nursing School, I think. Is that right? I don't know. All I know, my mother's like 74. She has, she still has friends that she travels with like around the country. That's my dog. Very cool. Quality so podcast. Your, <laughs> where does your mother live now? So my mother's in Philadelphia. She's in Philadelphia. Okay, yeah. cool. So my parents met at the University of Dayton and uh, got married and moved to Philly. My father was from South Philly. Very cool. Yeah. So, so, okay. So let's go back. Let's go back to stove monkey here. My dog will shut up eventually. Uh, what, what, what was the whole idea behind stove monkey? I mean, where did that come from? So that was, that was during the era of, uh, not Twitter, but, uh, MySpace. Remember MySpace? I do. Um, and I wasn't on MySpace for very long. Okay. So I, so my, uh, childhood friend, I, I grew up half my life in Texas. And he, him and, I, him and I, his name's Anthony Lynch. We connected uh, through MySpace, right? Hey, man, how you doing? This and that. And uh, we were both skaters, you know. And um, we always had that, like, you know, like I don't know if you were, if you ever skated or, you know, back in high school or anything like that. But you know, you kind of had your own image, right? So we wore like, you know, if you saw someone with Jenko jeans on, you know, you're like, you knew that person was either a skater or a break right. dancer or something, right? So we were kind of like, how could we create the same thing for what we do? Because chefs at that time were becoming, it was becoming more and more popular, the TV and, and all that. So that was kind of the idea, like apparel to wear outside of the restaurant to okay. signify that you're a chef. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of how the idea, um, you know, happened. And, and me and Anthony, we, we, you know, I lived here. He lived in actually Arkansas at the time and we worked on the company and, um, and, uh, yeah, we did everything opposite from each other and he'd handled more of the business side. I kind of was a little bit more of the creative one. Um, and we just yeah, came up with designs and we created the e-commerce and you know the website and, um, you know, it, it, it was a really cool thing. And, and we, we, we did a lot of cool things. We never made any money. Right. Um, you know, it, it's a tough business and it, I mean, we learned a lot and that was really cool. Um, but we got to work with Charlie Palmer. We did a t-shirt for his pigs and Pino thing. Um, I, we actually worked with, uh, Omar Cantu, uh, you know, uh, rest in peace. Um, we actually didn't end up doing the shirt. It, it was funny. We were, we were, um, we were doing this naked sushi event and, uh, and he, he didn't want us to, um, to be associated with us <laughs> because, because of the naked sushi thing. But, um, I, rem I remember that naked sushi thing. That was a fun time. That was a long that was time a ago. Was that, time. was that 10 years ago? Yeah. Um, about, yeah, about nine or 10 years. Cause it, Dude, I, I was doing totally that right before that. I started working at flower. Yeah. So huh. yeah. And that's kind of some of the things we would do, you know, we would, we do these little pop-up events and try to like, you know, um, brand the, the concept of, of stove monkeys. So, yeah. So now, and then, then you guys kind of stopped with all that. And then you said you hopped into going into flower. So what was like, I mean, what were you doing at that point when you were doing stove monkey? Do you have your own place? Were you working for somebody else? Um, no, I did not have a place. So I was doing some consulting work for a little bit. Uh, I worked with an old chef friend of mine, um, or mentor, actually, I shouldn't say friend, uh, Morgan Jacobson. So he had a lot of projects that he was working on and I was allowed to, you know, work with him. 
And so financially for about a year or so that, that worked. And then, um, and then that kind of ran out. And then I, I was, I worked down in Arkansas with my, my buddy uh, at a country club, um, kind of same thing, consulting work. And then, uh, once that was all out, then, um, then I started doing the pop-ups for stuff for, for stove monkeys, just various jobs. So I've probably, I'd say out of the actual business on a day-to-day grind for about two years. Wow. And then as soon as, um, as soon as I went over to flower, uh, I'd say for about a year, we still ran stove monkeys. And then I spent less time working on it, obviously running a restaurant, a brand new restaurant. And, uh, me and my partner decided, yeah, we, we parted ways. He bought me out and, you know, he's still, it's still out there. So for any, you know, anybody listening to this, um, yeah, stove monkeys, stovemonkeys.com. You can still buy all the t-shirts. Um, yeah, it's still active. I think my buddy, Anthony, uh, I want to say he's passed the baton to his brother. Who's also a chef. Um, yeah. So I'm searching for him right now. Yeah. It's out, it's out there, man. That's pretty funny. It was, I just, I thought the whole thing was I, I, there. Holy shit. There it is, man. Look at that. You got a couple different, yeah. uh, you got a couple different, uh, Instagrams up here. I just thought it was cool. I liked the logo of it. I thought it was kind of neat, but I also liked the idea behind it. I mean, you know, we all, and especially during that time, I think we all, you know, we all wore something that had some form of chef on it, you know, like, yep. You know, when you're out of the restaurant, you nailed it exactly. When you were out of the restaurant, it's kind of one of those things. And I think that now, like, True Cooks has really kind of taken that whole idea and taken off with it. Yeah, True Cooks, you're right. Yep. I mean, they've just, you know, they just crush it now with what they do. Well, they got they got bought by Spiceology. Spiceology, I'm not familiar with them. Oh, my God, dude, you've got to check out Spiceology. They have the most – I love their product. It's all, So they have a whole line of spices – um, and they'll do, they do custom blends for you and all that stuff. I've been trying to work with them for the last probably seven to nine months on getting my spice blend done directly by those guys. You should check wow. their product. They actually do a program right now where they will go into your kitchen. You take a picture of your entire uh, spice shelf. They will replace every single one of your spices and take your old spices and donate them to a food bank or a shelter or something like that. Really? Which is, which is kind of a cool program. I mean, look, it's a great way to get somebody else's product out, but you know, as much as I do, I mean, you know, h- how many fucking containers of bay leaves do you have? You know, <laughs> a lot. I, yeah. I mean, it's like, peppercorns you, and- right. I mean, stuff that you just don't, you, you don't use every day and it's not something that you're, you know, you're like, you know, fucking lemon pepper seasoning. You know, that's something that I see in kitchens all over the goddamn country, you know, it's lemon pepper seasoning. So yeah, uh, you do the lemon, lemon pepper chicken wings, right? That's right, man. Everybody's got to have them. Fuck it. I'm going to do them this week. It's Wednesday nights, wing Wednesday. I'm doing lemon pepper. Yep. There you go. Watch my Instagram. You'll see me doing lemon pepper wings on Wednesday night. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're a good company and they've got a really kind of cool following in the background of it. Um, Chad White. I don't know if you know who Chad White is out of yeah, Spokane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Chad was involved with, uh, with those guys for a while and a guy named... Uh, Chad Minton, who was a chef as well, who was a corporate chef for a while. He's a re- very talented dude. Um, he was on the show as well. They're, they're, they've got a good product. So check, look into Spice, uh, Spiceology. Their blends are awesome. They do out. a Chipotle raspberry rub that's really good. And they'll mix Chipotle for you. Chipotle raspberry? It's a Chipotle rub? raspberry. 
um, that is like it's got a great heat to it. It's got a nice amount of smoke, but it's got a kind of a cool that's that like sweet berry flavor that kind of finishes and rounds it out at the end. It's a nice little product. So what so are I, they doing? Are they are they taking the raspberries and like freeze drying them and then the, and, pretty much? Yeah, they're they're yeah. totally they're all about innovative, all about innovative. Okay. They do a really, really nice job. Yeah. And not only that, one of the cool things is, I mean, look on a, on a label front, like on that marketing side, I feel like we're doing a commercial for spiceology right now. Somebody <laughs> tell them to give us some goddamn money or at least give me some spice. Um, yeah. but their logo or the, uh, the front of their, uh, their labels look like the periodic, uh, table of elements. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So they've got some really neat product, but yeah, you can just like, I'm looking at actually on my desk. Right here, I've got a blue cheese powder. It's called Black and Blue. So they've got some cool stuff, man. They've got some really neat stuff that, you know, for chefs that are looking to get into stuff and want to play around, they've got some great products. This Check segment right is sponsored by Spiceology, only they Spiceology. don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm looking, at their, I'm, I'm looking at their thing. Their label is really, really cool. The periodic table, it's really neat. And, and when you think about it, when you look at it on a shelf, you know, I mean, especially in this day of of all of the innovation, the technology, um, the science that we're using within kitchens, it's kind of a neat thing. I mean, it kind of flows with it really well. It was a it was a, a nice marketing at the right time, and I think they do a nice job. So, yeah, they've got good confections, product. carbonated sugar. Wow, interesting, yep. man. They've got all sorts of stuff, man. And, they, and anything you want to do when it comes to molecular gastronomy, they've got a lot of that stuff in there as well. So there's some pretty neat products that they have. And then, again, they, I think they finally ended up buying True Cooks from Chad Minton. I wonder what, how much they buy it for. Do you know? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. Because I know last year at NRA, I saw Chad at NRA, and that was when I found out that True Cooks had bought or that uh, Spiceology had bought True Cooks because Chad was still in that transition phase with them. So that was always that was always our ultimate goal was to sell it to somebody, but it never happened. But at least we tried, you know. Yeah. No. Absolutely, man. I mean, and that's that's the thing. I mean, I say it at the end of every show. You got a hundred percent chance to know if you don't go for it or don't ask. So. Yep. So now, what brought? So then you get into flour. So you're going through all that stuff, and I mean. You said you took about a year and a half to two off. I mean, what were, you, what were we doing at that point? Straight consulting? Yeah, well, so I did. So I got to do. So Morgan, I worked with, he worked with um, a bunch of hotels. Uh, so we opened up, um, there was two, three, three projects in Orlando at the Waldorf. So we opened up three of those restaurants with their staff. We, you know, uh, helped execute the menu and train their staff and all that good stuff. And then I went down to um, Chanel Country Club in uh, two different times. So they were in the transition of hiring a new chef. So I just went down there and, and basically just uh, helped, you know, uh, run, run the kitchen down there. So both, all five of those projects per se, right, were paid me pretty well and kept me afloat there for, for a good amount of time. Um, you know, I was young and I didn't have any uh, family or <laughs> girlfriend or anything like that. Right. And, um, and then, yeah, so then I came back up here and then I was just doing, um, we're still trying to, you know, grind stove monkeys and I do some catering and pick up oddball jobs. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then we just, so we started doing all those, um, those pop-ups. So we do like a, uh, we do the naked sushi, which is probably our, was probably our best concept, I would say. So we would, and I think uh, naked sushi kind of sounds 
I mean, maybe some people here and they're like you or whatever, but it was really ta- or tasteful. You know, we, we would paint the girls, um, you know, with like Asian kind of flair, you know what I mean? Like body paint. So they weren't actually, I mean, they were naked, but kind of not naked. Right. Um, and we'd lay them down. And so we like created this big table that we hung from the ceiling, right? It looked like a, a big gigantic surfboard, you know, and we'd lay the girl down on there and like, we'd put all these, you know, uh, bamboo leaves and flowers and, and the whole nine yards, you know, and nothing ever touched the, the skin. So we did that. That was, that was a lot of fun. We probably did like five or six of those events. Um, I mean, I remember, I remember you guys doing marketing and doing the promotion for naked sushi. And I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was super cool. Thanks man. I appreciate that. You know, it was, yeah, it was fun. It was, it was, it was, it was fusing good food. I mean, the food was good, right? Uh, we did hors d'oeuvres and, and you got a DJ back there, you know, um, you know, playing good music and cutting, cutting up the records. It was, it was, it was cool. It wasn't your average nightclub scene. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and then we were, we were playing around with uh, the molecular gastronomy stuff for a little bit there too. So we do like, you know, high end cocktails, you know, with liquid nitrogen and, you know, and all that kind of fun stuff. So it was pretty cool. It was a, it was a, it was a, um, it was a single life, uh, of a lot of fun. Event. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. The things that I did when I was younger in this business, when I was single were, uh, were totally different than, than what I do, what I, what I, what I did during my married state. So yeah, yeah, there was a I, lot of, a lot of different things that were going on. So then what brought you into, I mean, so you, you, you come back up, you get rid of stove monkeys and then you start getting involved in flour. I mean, when now what, what's the kind of history behind with flour? So flour. So, um, so the, my partner, Paul Manillo and Lisa, so they owned a uh, restaurant here in Cleveland called Baricelli. And it, it was, it was kind of, or not kind of, it was, I mean, it was like the flagship restaurant in Cleveland, right. At its time. Um, and Paul opened up uh flour. So I wasn't a part of the, beginning of flower being open. Um, there was a chef there before me and things didn't work out with between the two of them. And, uh, and I heard Paul was looking for a chef. As soon as I heard that, I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's like, he's like the OG of Cleveland, you know, you, you can work for Paul. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a pretty, it's a pretty big thing. Right. So he's, so yeah. So <laughs> it's actually really, I wish you knew Paul because Paul, he's, He's an old Italian and he's got that like kind of, you know, like he just got this, like, there's this character about him, you know what I mean? And and then if you know who he is and how he is and his mannerisms. And so I'm going to try to like execute that real quick, but uh, <laughs> I walk in, I, I, I walk in for the interview and he's like, so what are you doing right now? I go, well, I, you know, I have a t-shirt company, you know, and you know, I'm selling t-shirts. He's like, you're selling fucking t-shirts. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> Oh man. I, and I left there. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get the job. You know, no like, fucking this way. I think I'm, yeah, this guy thinks I'm crazy, you know? <laughs> so, and it was, and it was cool. He, he, you know, he, um, he hired me and, um, you know, like the kitchen was in shambles at that, at that time, you know, there's, you know, the old chef left and a lot of his, his cooks left with him and there was no recipes. And, and so it was kind of like starting a brand new restaurant and we just, you know, we, we, uh, we turned that place around and, um, and, and I haven't looked back ever since made me a partner after a couple of years. And, um, we've just been grinding, man. We're busy every night, open seven days a week. You know, we've got a lot of accolades, this stuff with James Beard. I mean, it's just been, it's been, um, it's been a, um, God, I can't explain it. It's, it's been a, it's been a trip, you know? 
So now you guys did James Beard, what, 16? Uh, yeah, 2016 in uh, February. Actually, February 25th. And what is that? I mean, what is that like for you guys? I mean, you guys are, you know, I mean, you're young, you're going in, and now you're involved, now you're getting involved in, in beard stuff. I mean, how, how kind I mean, of nerve wracking or, or, or not nerve wracking was that? It, it wasn't, I mean, how can I say it? It, it was like, it was a Cause it's not an easy thing, place you know? to cope. I mean, anybody who, who has heard anything about beard, it's a small space. You know, you're, you're coming in on a remote situation. You're coming in from Cleveland into New York. You know, you're bringing yep. up, I mean, how many staff did you bring with you? Uh, well, so I had a friend that lived in New York, so he came and helped. We brought, I brought my chef to museum. So there, and Paul came. So, okay. so there, there, yes, we, there was four of us total in the kitchen. Plus they had a culinary student and then the, and the dish dishwashers that were there. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's, so I, I, I was able to cook there with another chef before as a, as a helper. So I knew the landscape of the kitchen. Um, but the hard part was, I think the prep, like the logistics of prepping and shipping right. and you know what I mean? And, and what, like, cause you, there's no, you can't miss a beat, right? Like, and we had, and we were bit, we had 77 people show up. Oh my like, God. Yeah, it was, I think they, they try to cap it at like 60 or 65. I think it's been a while, but it was really cool because half of everyone there, like half the room was from Cleveland and the other half of the room was from New York. So like, it was a really like good chemistry of people. Right. Right. Um, and you know how Clevelanders are, they're all, you know, they love their, 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 their chefs and sports teams. And you know, you saw fish fry, so <laughs> fish fry, clam bacon, all that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, man, it was, it was Cleveland strong, you know, and, um, and it was, uh, it was cool. You know, it was just a good experience. My wife was there. My parents were there. Uh, chef mentors there. Um, I thought we killed it. You know, I thought the food was some of the best food I think we've ever done. Wow. Um, and, and on a, you know, on a different level too is Cleveland. I'm not trying to sound negative, but you know, in Cleveland, you gotta, you can't be as creative as if you're in a, in a bigger city. Right. So no, you, I, agree. You know, you, I know my clientele. Um, and so that was a chance for us just to kind of go outside the box, you know, and really just do some really off the wall stuff. But I think Cleveland's made Cleveland's a whole different space four years later than it For was. Sure. I mean, at 16, look, I, I mean, you know, we didn't, we didn't hear of a lot of chefs that were coming out of Cleveland at that point. You know I mean? All we yep. really knew about was that, I, I mean, was Michael Simon. I mean, that was, he was the guy that, that, you know, people started to have an idea of what Cleveland was because my mother, like I said, my mother's from Cleveland. You know I mean? I, I remember being the chef at a place in Philly and my aunt coming into town and she's like, I, I just, you know, I just want some perch, <laughs> you know, like, do you have perch? Can you just fry some perch for me? Like you have any lake, like, what can we do here? You know? And that right. was, and, and I look, the first time I ever had a Yido was on down at the flats in, in Cleveland. And I was a kid. Like that was my first, honestly, I think it was my first real like experience of street meat kind of, you know, that, 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 that uh, Middle Eastern flavor of something that I'd never had before. I grew up in an Irish, you know, an Irish Italian family. So yeah, I had, I had right. food and I had things a little aggressive, but I remember having that and being like, what the fuck are these flavors? Yeah. Like meat, oh, yeah. tzatziki, 
and I had it in Cleveland and I'll never forget that, you know, and, and I've always been a huge fan of Cleveland just because my mother's from there and I really enjoy the people. I think that Midwest mentality, especially that East Eastern side of the Midwest, you know, is, is really, I mean, they're a great group of people. And For to sure. see the, the direction that Cleveland has taken. I mean, look, Cleveland is, is, is famous for a couple of things. Really, Ohio. I mean, you guys have Football Hall of Fame, right? Yep. You've got rock and roll. Rock and roll. Is football, football Hall of Fame in Canton, right? Canton, yeah. That, which and is, then you've so got, for people that know, it's about an hour south of Cleveland. Right. And then you've got, you've got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right there. Yep. You've got Christmas Story and Drew fucking Carey. <laughs> I mean, when you're right. When you think about it, that's what the average human being knows of Cleveland. There's not a lot that goes on. It's not like it's a big trade mecca. You know, it's not like it's a culinary hub of the of the country, especially when you've got New York a couple hundred miles to your right and you've got Chicago a couple hundred miles to your west. Yep. So to see this stuff and like to see what you guys are doing, to see what what Rocco's doing and look, and even Michael Simon, I mean, we, we, we get it. I mean, he's first off, he's, he's a good individual. I don't know him probably the same way that Clevelanders do. I think he's a good individual. We've met a couple times. I think his food's good. He's got a really good grasp on uh, the American side of food and the way that things are. And I think he does a nice job of it. Um, you know, Bar Simon is a great place to go in an airport. Yeah, Simon is, um, you know, I grew up, before Simon got famous, right in the, in the kitchens here in Cleveland, and and uh, he was always and still is just always willing to help anybody out, you know. Yeah, I've and heard that. Uh, he he's really just he's really paved the way for myself and for you know the chefs that are younger younger than, than myself as well, you know. So we're lucky to have to have him and Rocco. Rocco's doing the same thing, you know. Yeah, he's employing a lot of people, man. Rocco's employing a lot of people. He is, he's killing it too. I mean, he's got, um, he's got the food truck. He's got the catering. He's got, well, you, you know, you use on your show, so I don't need yeah. he's, he's killing it. Well, and I think that it's, and he, and he's somebody who is, you know, he's in his business every day. You know I mean? He's running in and out of properties and, you know, I mean, he's, you know, the stuff that he's posting all the time. Again, we're, we're judging a lot of this based off of a marketing through Instagram and, and stuff like that. But I mean, he's, he's in his properties on a daily basis. You know, he's really got his finger on it and he's on the line. And that was one of the things that I really liked about him is, you know, I, like, I mean, I love being on the line, no matter what I do, I want to be on the line. I don't even want to expo most of the time, no matter where I go, I want to be on yeah. the line. I want to cook. You know, and that's one of the things that I see with Rocco as well, is that kind of, you know, keeping that route. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's so important though, right? I mean, um, you gotta, you know, these, these kids that are in the restaurant, they want to learn, right? They want to learn from, yeah. from us. They, 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 they look up to us, right? I know what I was like when I was a young chef. I really, you know, like I, I was so green and excited and you know, like all the smells and the taste and everything that you're learning in the kitchen, like all that passion, you know what I mean? Like, and, and not, and not to, you know, listen, I get it, especially me having a family now, it's hard, it's hard to be everywhere. Right. Yeah. But I'm in my restaurant and so is Paul every single day. I mean, I was banging out dishes, you know, on <laughs> freaking uh, Saturday night, a hot water tank went down. Yeah. You know, I was doing it Friday. Were, yeah. I mean, it, it, but you have to, right? You got to be there because when yeah. you're, when, if you're, if you're away and you're not 
leading by example, that's when, that's when the quality goes down, you know? Yeah. And you're right. Rocco's always there. He's on a plane down in Charlotte, comes back to Cleveland. He's in his restaurant, you know? I mean, what you see on social yeah. media is what he, you know, what he is. And he treats his employees great. I mean, he's got employees that, that, that yeah, are with him that as well. for a long time. So yeah, I've heard that. Well, and you just said your wife worked for him for 10 years. Yeah. So you said you were, you were on the line, you were uh, washing dishes on Friday. Yeah, my 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 sixteen year old dishwasher called out. He was sick, valid sick. You know, I mean, he had the he had a cold and you know couldn't make it in. So what am I going to do? Fucking let the dishes build up? No, we got to do right. dishes. I mean, I got my right. my barbecue spot. We've got a it's a one man kitchen. It's all about the prep when it comes to barbecue. So, you know, we go in, we bang everything out during the day. We're prepping the day before. We're rubbing everything. We're cleaning everything, getting it set up to get in the smokers the next morning. So I'm usually in the restaurant first thing in the morning. So I'll go in, light smokers, get everything kind of set, stoke them during the day. Like I was over there this morning um, just getting some product ready because we've got to get some stuff done for for Wednesday. So I've got to get, you know, I've got to had to get ri- had to get wings and all that shit brined out, and I got to get my birds in my brine, and I got to get my ribs cut and cleaned. So I was over there this morning after walking the dog, and I mean that's that's my touch on it. My guys know how to cook, they know how to execute, you know. So if I can take right. the pressure off of them in certain places, whether it be doing the dishes or you know, Julie. I mean, we still cut fucking coleslaw by hand. You know, we do a julienne on. On every fucking head of cabbage, every red onion, or you know, every red onion, every piece of carrot, you know, we're still cutting everything by hand, and uh, you know, so I try to keep my guys. I want them to see it. I want them to see. You know, we've got a mandolin in the restaurant, but we still we still do cabbage, carrots, and onions by by hand. You know, I mean, I've had culinary students that walk in and they're like, "The mandolin's broken. What do I do?" And I'm like, "Use a fucking knife, man." <laughs> Yeah. You don't know how to do that. So, so I did, I started to pull mandolins out of restaurants because, you know, I don't know if you know, I, I do a huge section for, for the nightclub and bar show, which is actually moving over to the bar and restaurant expo. It's going to be called that next year, which I'd love to have you involved in that. We should talk about that for next year is getting you out there. Um, okay. but it's the food love and that. beverage innovation center. It's all about utilizing innovative techniques, newer foods that are coming out and innovative pieces of equipment. And the whole motto for me is that it's time to get the box cutters out of our chef's hands and put the knives back in. I think yeah. we've made it way too easy for culinary students, for kids to come out of school when we're selling product like fucking riced cauliflower for $5 a pound. There's a problem well, there. Well, that, there is a problem. And these, these kids, they need to be attached to something, right? And I, I say kids because I guess I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit older too in my days, right? How old are you? But, um, 37. Okay, so you're you're 11 years younger than I am. So w- would you consider me not a kid, though, right? No, I don't <laughs> consider you a kid at all. But but well, one because you're established. Two, you've already got you've got the basics down. You and you've already worked. You did the right. kid shit. You did the dishes. You did you know you peeled potatoes. You cleaned onions. You know yep. you've been through right. a lot of that stuff. Not only that, you have a reality of the industry. Not I'm going to graduate culinary school and get a TV show. Right. Or right, I'm right. going to graduate culinary school and I'm going to open a restaurant next week. Right. No, you're right. I mean, that's, and that's, and that's where these, they need to be attached to something and they need to see like, you know, you, you get, think about this. Like if you get a, uh, you get a steak, right? Steak is already crowd back. It's already cut. You don't see the, the primals. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, you got to like connect the dots, you know what I mean? And, and, and that's the things that they're missing because every, everything 
you know, in their hand on the phone, you know, you just, you can Google something and find it, which is, which is good, but it's also, you know, it takes away like what you're saying, rice cauliflower. Like you can't rice it yourself. You can't throw in the rubble. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, come on. And, um, and so, yeah, I think that that's really, really good. And, and then the other part too is, is like what Thomas Keller said, you got to appreciate your ingredients, meaning like, you know, if you overcook it and screw it up, right. Like you just wasted, like, I mean, the, the fish was, was born and swimming and then somebody right. went out and caught it and they put it on a truck and put it on ice. And if you can't, you know, you don't have the love and energy to take care of that piece of fish then probably should change professions. Right. Yeah. I totally agree with you just to take a product that, that in reality, I, and this is going to sound kind of fucked up. We actually posted something last week on, on, uh, Instagram for, on Facebook that said, remember that chick that said she'd die for you while well, your, our meat actually did die for you. So like true love wow. is here in the barbecue. Like, and we, we did it yeah. as kind of tongue in cheek and joking and, and the whole nine yards. And we had vegetarians that were pissed off at us and, and the whole nine yards, oh, but I hate to say it. It's the truth. I mean, are you going to take that, that rack of ribs and just burn it just to throw it in the trash? I mean, what, what's the, what's the point of that? Not only that, how many of, of a lot of the younger culinary students that are coming out truly understand the business of what it is that we do. Uh, I think that's, that's a that's huge a, thing that's missing. Huge thing. And you know, what's, the business part too is a lot of guys I see coming out of culinary school. I feel like they're not teaching that enough either. I mean, I didn't go to culinary school right. and I worked for a guy who, uh, a business owner named Andy Hemmel, and he was really focused on cost. And, you know, as much as I hated it as a chef, because, you know, I want to get the nicer ingredients and, and, and then that stuff, it resonated. And I, 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 I don't know how you guys are in your restaurant, but, we're always talking about labor costs. We're always talking about food costs. We're always talking about how to price something out. You know what I mean? I can't stand when, you know, somebody just randomly makes up a price. You know what I mean? Well, where did you get that price <laughs> That's what from? I think it should why? be. Why? Why is it? Yeah, why? Right. And, 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 and so, so the business side is, is even more important because I don't care how good of a chef you are. If you can't run a business, what's the Again, what's the point? I mean, you're going to close the doors, you know I mean? And the restaurant business is one of the hardest businesses to run because of the margins, right? Sure. And it's a perishable product that you're hoping that you're looking for an ROI on. Right. And a super volatile market when it comes to you, you deal with employees. And now we're raising employee rates across the board, which is, which is something that's needed. I'm not going to lie. I'm not saying I love it every day because I've got to pay the bills for it. But it's something that's totally needed. We need to raise the rates on our employees. We need to get that understood to the guest because we've raised, uh, you know, the guest in the United States at this point, you know, they're a perception of value. They're a fucking, you know, I mean, they're, you know, they're golden corral, nine ninety five, yeah. all you can eat buffet. Yep. Nobody questions where the product comes from. Right. Then, like, I, you know, go ahead. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, uh, it's like if somebody down the street prices halibut at $26, and you know you need to sell for thirty one dollars. You know, right. customer doesn't understand. They don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And the guy down the street probably should be charging twenty six dollars because it's screwing up. You know, everything. You know else. what I mean? Yeah, you're yeah, absolutely right. Exactly. There's a market that goes with that. There's a market that follows with that. Well, why is it? I mean, you, you know, if you want to go in even deeper with it, why is it that I can get a sirloin from Outback for nine ninety five on a Thursday night, but you're going to charge me nineteen ninety five, and I don't get anything that comes with that? Why is that? You know, nobody that, questions right? that. They just say, well, I can get this same steak down the street. Well, you're not getting the same steak. Not even you know? close. And 
And it's, it, I mean, it's a corporate restaurant, right? It's not a mom and pop place. They have, I've got corporate buying power. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think it's tough. I think that, that we have, we've saturated, you know, I mean, first off the market is completely saturated with restaurants as we all know. Yep. You know, I mean, the growth yep. of restaurants on a daily basis is just, I mean, it's mind blowing. I mean, I keep going back to the stats of Philadelphia, which is that, you know, and, and again, I'll date myself, but 25 years ago when I was graduating from culinary school or graduated from culinary school, we had, you know, we had 20, we had 950, a thousand restaurants in Philadelphia. Now we have 9,500 hospitality outlets. So we're all pulling from the same pool of people over and over yep. and over again. And as a, as a server or as a cook, I mean, how many of your cooks have left you for a dollar an hour, a quarter an hour, you know? So it's, yeah, you know what? We, we, we've been struggling for the last three years um, in terms of finding staff because of that, what you just said, right? They'll leave to go make another dollar or we've even, we've even seen a lot of staff you know, kind of, they're kind of playing the game. You know what I mean? If, if they're chasing the paper, right. And, right. and I don't, I don't fault them for that at all. I get Not it. I understand. Um, but I will say it's hurt us where you hire somebody that's maybe overvalued. Right. Um, and then, you know, and then they're there with you for six months and then you're back to the drawing board, you got to retrain and whatever. And so what we've been doing is we really are trying to to find, um, we're hiring, we'll hire somebody for a little bit less money, but somebody who's like really passionate and really wants to learn, you know what I mean? And then we'll compensate them thereafter, you know? And I, and I've been finding that to work better for me, I agree. even though it doesn't always solve the problem right away. We get a little bit more longevity out of the employees this way, you know? But I think that the little stuff, like letting them know what your expectations are when you're hiring them. Hey, this right. is your job and this is what it's like to be in the industry and this is what we're looking for from you. You know, and I think another thing is giving that 30-day, 60-day, 90-day kind of evaluation period to let people know where you are and where they stand. And I mean, when I get yeah. involved in my corporate settings, what I do is I give the employee an evaluation paper and they fill out their own evaluation paper and then we match up our evaluations together. So they you know, you, you as, as Matt, the cook may think that, you know, you crush saute every Thursday, you know, every, you know, every night and you're going to give yourself a five cause you think you're a great cook. And then you have to explain why. And then I'm coming right. in at a three and a half and I'm saying, well, well, here's where I think you are. You know, you know, you, you need to work a little bit more on your organization. I think that your mise en place is mistaken. And, you know, think about Thursday night when you were working fish and, you know, I mean, there's, there's a great way to have a, an employee perception of how they feel about themselves, but then to have that real world of the owner or the chef coming in and saying, Hey, look, I, I'm going to give you a, you know, a 50 across the board. I think you could easily be a 60 if you worked on this, this, and this, you know, and I think that it's a realistic experience with that, that, that really I try to work with corporate clients. No, that's really smart. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try that actually. I think, um, you know, I think the, the, the biggest key to success in our profession is communication, right? Absolutely. And, and that right there is you're communicating with them. You're, you're talking to them. You're, you're like you said, the expectations are laid out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, and especially in this day and age, because we're not, I mean, I mean, how often are you interviewing people? I mean, a, a lot, uh, you know, we're, we're open. We have, 
a, a total of including front house 60 employees, I think. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. Is that for all your properties? Is that for the stadium um, as well? No, the stadium we don't employ. So it's a licensing uh, management contract. Um, so yeah, so we don't have to, that's Aramark. They, they employ that. Um, and then at our pasta company, we only have five employees over there. So it's a smaller, a smaller operation. So you've got um, 60 in the, in the, in the, in the one property. In the restaurant. 50, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and my motto is we just continue to hire because so we're always, we're always actively interviewing people, you know? Um, it just depends. I mean, depends on what position, you know, dishwashers, the, the, those, those come and go, uh, yeah. pretty quickly. Uh, it, unfortunately, it's the worst job in the restaurant, right? Um, pays the least. Yep. Yep. Um, and then, but you know, like hostesses and busters and that kind of stuff, those are like typically younger, like high schoolers. Um, so that, that job is always, you know, circulating. Yeah. And then, and especially in this now with kind of where we are with the younger, we sound like old fucking men, dude. We literally like two old dudes <laughs> that sit on a bench just bitching about kids. <laughs> I hate it. I really do. I, I, because I'm such a positive person. I feel like I'm turning into that, you know, ah, these young, you know, get off my grass, you know? Yeah, exactly. Fucking whippersnapper. <laughs> but it's the truth though. I mean, we're, we we're you know, it's a different mentality now. I mean, I was having this conversation with my, um, my, my ex-wife, I mean, her and I, you know, we, we, we raise our girls together and we were talking about it the other day about the dynamic between my, my 19 year old and my 16 year old, you know, my 19 year old was just really at the beginning of that kind of that, that full blown Snapchat, Instagram explosion where my youngest daughter is in the middle of it. So you know, I, I keep saying to Fiona on the weekends, like, what are you doing this weekend? And, and Fiona works for me. So Fiona works in my restaurant Wednesday and Thursday night. She's my cashier in my barbecue spot. She does an amazing job. She's friendly with the guest. She runs her ass off. She works her ass off. But the second that she has an opportunity, she grabs her phone. It's not even a, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a memory reflex for her is to grab that phone. Whereas my 19 year old, May not. She may not have that same world. And when I say to my daughter, like, what are you doing this weekend? And she's like, well, I'm not sure yet. Whereas, you know, I mean, again, you're 10 years younger than I am. But I remember meeting at at Roy Rogers and McDonald's and we made our plans for that night. I feel like that a lot of the younger kids, the employees that are out there now, they're not making plans because they're still trying to figure them out because there's too many options for plans that are directly in front of them. And that that is a huge distraction for everything that we're trying to get done to get them to grow up to that 18, 19, 20 year old mentality. Yeah. I and mean, we talked about technology earlier, how it, you know, it kind of cripples you a little bit. It's supposed to help you, but I feel like, you know, I, I mean, even, even I've noticed like the social fabric, I mean, of the younger generation, like they'll be, they'll have a, full-blown conversation, right? On like, let's just say like, they want to come work for me, right? Or with me. Um, they'll, they'll do a, a paragraph through the direct message, right? On Instagram, right? Yes. But then like, when you sit down and interview them, it's they like cricket. Say. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and that's the part that it's kind of crazy to me too. It's like the, the social fabric needs to change. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Well, it's, no, you're, dude, you're absolutely right. I mean, think about it. 
we would, uh, and again, fuck, man, we are fucking old. We would, you know, I mean, right now to go to apply for a job, you have to do it online. And what it is, is you're putting in prerequisites as an employee of what you want to do. And then it's auto-populating, right. and that information is coming back and saying, do you want to apply for these 10 jobs? Yes, I do. And I hit a button. And that button then sends my resume out to those 10 people. And what I found with dealing with sites like Indeed and stuff like that is they don't really know what they've applied for yet. Yep. You know, I have people that still will call me or, or reply back to me via email and say, can you tell me what the job position is that, I'm, that I've applied for? <laughs> because it's or all there. You, go ahead no do you get the one too it's like it says where are you located oh that's my fucking favorite i'm located at the restaurant yeah. the name of the restaurant is hardboard q <laughs> if if they say that i won't even you know anyone listening out here you know if, they, if you you know do the research on your own when you come into a restaurant to interview there like know what the place is about show that you have a little bit of you took the time and effort to at least engage, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, like what we said, we want to hire people that want to be there. They want to learn and they're not just there for a check. And it, and at the same time, it's, it's a, it's a matter of respect for the people that are, that are interviewing you because we've now taken the time out. You know, like when I do hiring, I take a whole day and I'm pretty aggressive with the way that I do hiring. We have like, for me, we have, I have an online portal that you can click on. You can choose your interview time. It then, re, it then emails you the day before to remind you of your interview. It gives you directions cool. to the location. It gives you the phone number in case of an emergency, call this person. But dude, when I opened my place in Philly, 75% of the candidates that applied for the job that I had set up for interviews didn't even show up. Yeah, that's, that seems to be very common nowadays. You know, just didn't even, didn't you- even come to the restaurant. Didn't even call me to let me know. Yeah, and that's the disrespect part that that, yeah. that makes it frustrating for us. Question for you. Do you have any um I, I'm always uh fascinated by, you know, like like CEOs and stuff like that that, you know, have certain uh a certain process when hiring employees, right? Like a question or, or whatever. Do you have any uh give me uh give me some can you give me share some of your secrets? You have access to absolutely anything that you could ever imagine. You have the largest dry storage. You have a walk-in that is endless. You have the opportunity to create me an appetizer and an entree right now. What is it? Sausage and egg muffin. <laughs> but in that, I mean, that's my question. And if that's your good. response is yeah. sausage and egg McMuffin, then I want you to walk me through the process of making that. What's right. the pro- First off, tell me what, how you're going to menu it. And then walk me through the process. Are you making your own egg? Are you making your own muffins? You know, are you making your own sausage? How are you cooking the egg? How are you going to season the egg? What kind of pan are you going to cook the right. egg in? Like, I want to know really what your knowledge is because in reality, you and I can both just bullshit each other. I can write executive chef sure. on a resume just as fast as you can. But when I ask you what your volume is and you say that the owner never shared that information with you, are you truly the executive chef of that restaurant then? Because now our right. interview process is changing because I'm no longer going to talk to you like an executive chef. Now I'm going to talk to you like a cook who had a name put on his jacket and on a business card. Yep. So that's my number the one question. That, that's cool. I like that. That's good. That's smart. 
Because it determines a couple of things. One, it determines their, their ability to think on their feet. And I give them a piece of paper and a pen and I say, write this down. Menu the, menu the dish for me. So write it out as a description for me. Tell me how much you're going to charge. Take your time. I'm not expecting you to do this right this second. I'll even get up and walk away so that they're not uncomfortable during that time frame. But write out what your yeah. description of the dish is. And then when I come back and I read it, I want to know about it. How did you prepare it? What was the method? Where did you, you know, you tell me you're going to do wings with blue cheese. Okay, are you making blue cheese or are you just going to open up a jar that's going to tell me something about you? Right. Um, I'm a tough interview, dude. If you're going to work, <laughs> I'm a tough interview because I just, I see so many inconsistencies so many times on so many resumes of just full blown bullshit. Yeah. And you that, guys, that. You guys are in a t- you guys are in a smaller city. You guys are recycling employees day in and day out. Yeah, that's you know the the pool the labor. I always say it like this: the labor pool was was this little circle, right? And before all these restaurants started opening, and all of a sudden there's every I, I can't even keep up with the amount of restaurants that are opening and getting anxiety thinking about it. And now all of a sudden that 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 you know that balloon is like super tiny. You know what I mean? Like you said, we're just, we're recycling employees, you know? And, and I, four or five years ago, I wanted so badly to open up another restaurant, right? Like that, all my peers were doing it. I, and, and thank God, Paul and Lisa both were like, no, we're not opening another restaurant because it's the best thing we've done. Like we, I couldn't imagine having a second restaurant right now. I, the stress level would be through the roof. It's a nightmare. And, you and, and one, a lot right? of it, you what's that? You have one restaurant too, right? You don't have, I have, you used to have multiple, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I, I backed off of a whole bunch of stuff and I got involved in a bunch of partner situations and, um, you know, co-owner situations and stuff like that. And at the end of this year, I signed off on everything. I just, I just got it out because what they were doing was they were taking up my, my brain space and, 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 and I, and I wasn't focused on everything that I really needed to be focused on. And, and it was a big problem for me. You know I mean? I've got a, I, my, yeah. my girlfriend said to me one day, she's like, Bri, you do so much throughout the year, but what is the benefit of all the stuff that you do? You know, how much distraction is it for you to do a lot of the events and all the openings and, you know, the phone calls that you have on Mondays to talk to all your different, you know, all the different restaurants, all the different chefs, all the monitoring of food costs and labor and liquor and all of that stuff. And it, it was, you know, I mean, you know, you, you deal with it as well. You've got employees that you talk to and, you know, you want to get down to the nitty gritty of the numbers. You want to find out what's going on. Why did, why did our food costs jump three tenths of a point? You know, yeah. because in, in that case, I lost $3,000 last week. Why? Where did the food go? What happened to it? Why is it that, you know, what happened with labor? Why did we have a spike here? You know, you want to dig into the reason why so that your, your staff understands. And for me, I was doing that, but I was doing it with people that didn't, that, that, that weren't lifetime employees of the industry. So it was kind of stressful, right? Super stressful. Dude, it's like reading a book. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I'm taking a little bit more time for myself. I flew 120,000 miles last year. 100,000 on American Air and 22 on on other airlines. Wow. I mean, that also had, you know, that was a TV show. That was appearances. That was all that stuff. 
So I kind of narrowed it down. My focus now is really about the restaurant. It's about my personal life. And in all honesty, it's, it's, you know, in personal life, a huge company, you know, part of that is my children and my relationships. Um, you know, my mother's 75 years old. My father died two years ago. And, you know, I mean, I've got two girls, one in Florida and one up here and, you know, I've got a pretty great life going, but, but I mean, you know, it's balanced now you've got kids, man. Yeah. How old are your kids? Yeah. Uh, six and, and three. Yeah. I think Dude. about, and, and I'm still grinding right now. You know, I mean, I'm still in the restaurant, you know, 60 hours a week and or in the pasta company, but you know, um, you're right. I think about the balance all the time. Like, how do I, how do I balance both? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's big. I mean, you know, and what do you have? What, what boys, girls, boy, girl. Oh, two girls. So, I mean, dude, girls, especially girls with their dad. My daughter called me at one thirty in the morning last night. Cause she was upset about something. I was dead. The fuck asleep, dead <laughs> asleep, you know, but, but the phone rang and, and I, and I immediately like, you know, your heart races. And I'm like, Hey bud, what's wrong? What's going on? And she started to cry. She had a tough day. She had a tough night. She had a rough situation, you know, and I had a coaching moment that I had to be there for. And we were on the phone for 45 minutes. You know, I wanted to be available for that. And and you have two girls that are the same ages, same distance in age as mine. I mean, in reality, you're 30, right. you're 37 Yep. And your youngest is six to so 31. You're in the same time frame, only a year off of when I was starting to have kids, you know, and then that three year gap in between. And, and they're totally different individuals between three and six. Sure. You know, so much time there. But as a dad, you need you. That's that. You know, you, if you can rush home and get those girls in bed, they think about that shit. They know that. Yeah. They remember really? the times that you spend with them. They remember the conversations. You know, I mean, I'm a single dad, man. I want my girls to be the strongest, most independent. Fuck you. You're not what I want. You're not giving me what I want type of individuals. And, you know, that's our job. The mom is going to be there. She's going to be there. The rock for them for their lives. But they're going to come to dad with most of the problems because dad fixes that shit. Yep. I think that's awesome, man. I I hope uh, hope my girls do the same, you know. It's a pain in the fucking ass because girls can be a little, you know, I mean, they're, 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 they're girls and boys are dickheads. And you know what they say anyway, <laughs> you got a boy, you got to worry about one dick. You got girls, you got to worry about all yeah. the dicks. <laughs> I know. You ever so, watch, uh, no, you ever watch, I, um, Den of Thieves? You know, no. The movie with 50, no. 50 Cent? Dude, you gotta watch. I'll, I'll send you a, um, a all link right, for yes. the, um, there's a part where, the guy shows up with his, his daughter or to take his daughter out for prom or whatever. And, uh, he's like, you know, there's, I've been responsible for my daughter my whole life. And it's one time you, you know, you're responsible for her. So he's like, come over here. I want to talk to you. And he's got all the goons in the garage, right? <laughs> I've already had a conversation with all my friends. I'm like, as soon as, as soon as Olivia and, uh, and Alexis are, um, you know, 16 or whatever, I go, we're going to have to make sure we, we recreate that scene. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's everybody always says to me, like all my buddies, I mean, I grew up playing rugby and all my buddies would be like, dude, we'll be there with shotguns in the garage. And my whole thing is like, I don't need the shotgun because I've already talked to my girls yeah. and they're stu- like they've done stupid shit. My my youngest daughter got into a car with a kid a couple weeks ago who was smoking weed. And I okay. grounded my 19-year-old and my fucking 16-year-old. I told my 19-year-old she wasn't allowed out because she got in the car too. 
And I made the kid call me. I'm not about a scare tactic, but I'm going to hold you accountable. If you're going to act like an adult, then I'm going to treat you like a fucking adult. And if you're going to smoke weed before you're going to put my girls in your car, now you're going to be all sorts of man about it. And we're going to have a conversation. And that's exactly what we did. But I believe that communication, man. Don't ever be shocked. Your girls are going to get their period. Your girls are going to need bras. Your girls are going to wear thongs. There's nothing you can fucking do about it. Just accept it. You know, I mean, I remember the first time Emily came home and she jumped on my bed and I grabbed her and I gave her a big hug and I was rubbing her back. And I was like, why are you wearing two shirts or whatever it was like two tank tops? And my youngest daughter was like, it's a bra, dad. And, and there's a moment as a dad. And you're like, okay, here's, here's a life defining moment. Do I flip out? Cause my daughter's got to wear a bra. And I looked at her, I was like, congratulations, man. Welcome to this world. You know, I was there for both. My girls will kill me if they ever listen to this. (laughs) Girls are fun, man. I love that. I I love, I I love them. Um, you know, uh, I just hope that I create, like you said, you know, the communication, I want them to always be able to talk to me about stuff, not necessarily like as, as a friend, because I don't want to be their friend. Right but be able to like say whatever, like I, like I want to have the conversation, right. If they're ever around drugs or, or whatever it is, I want them to be able to at least talk to me about it and not be afraid to talk. Right. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. Dude, I created a code word. Emily and I were in New York and we talked about all this stuff. And I said, if you're ever in a situation that you just don't know how to get out of, just text me the word pineapple. That was our code word. That's cool. You know, um, no, I lied. Not pineapple. Pineapple's my other daughter. Bamboo. Because we went to a little restaurant in New York called Bamboo. And it was bamboo. And 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 the word the world was if you text that to me and an address, I will be there and I will not ask any questions. No questions asked whatsoever. You know, and, and my, my ex-wife is is a you know, she was a little dramatic and and those worlds, so she would have you know, a little, a different response, but the girls knew that if they ever used that word with me, then there would be no questions asked. And the thing about that is that I knew that when it came back around that, that they would ultimately tell me what happened anyway. So I didn't worry about it. Uh, So keep that, keep the communication. So here's a question. Do you want your girls in the industry? No. I mean, um, I will try to, if, if one of them wants to get in the industry, I will definitely um, try to embrace it and give them the proper uh, uh, direction, you know? Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, it's a tough industry, man. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, we don't have to talk about it, but uh, it, I, yeah, I don't want to see them. I think they can do whatever they want. And, um, but I think it's up to me to help guide them in the, in the right direction. You know what I mean? Like find. So I think like in my mind, I think one of like my oldest is more like my wife and she's more book smart and more like, you know, she's a nurse. And, uh, so she'll be the one I think that'll end up being like a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. Right. I think, I don't know. And then my youngest, she's, she's more like me. So I'm sure she'll be the one that will be in some type of trade or, or something, <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to try to keep but I like out the, the trade. I like the trade. I, I, I wish, you know, I mean, I've talked to my girls about, about taking a look at the military, you know, 
the fuck's wrong with the military? Yeah. You went for four years. They pay for your college. They give you a signing bonus. You get to see the world for four years. And you know what? My fucking 19-year-old is four foot 11. She's not carrying a gun in a jungle somewhere. We're in the desert right. somewhere. She's four foot 11. She's going to be learning a trade. She's going to be traveling the world. I mean, they, neither one of them have the interest in the military, but it's something that I've always talked to them about. You know, no, why do you want a hundred thousand dollars in debt? What's that? Yeah. The, yeah. I would, I would say the military is great. Um, you know, and there's, there's a lot of people who retire like, and they're like late forties from the military and You're that done. have done very well in life, you know, Financially, and you're and you're right. What what? Well, and think about this too. In our industry, Brian, and this is the thing that frustrates me. And I'm so happy I didn't go to culinary school. And these schools charge so much money, and then you get out you get out of school, and there's no guarantee that you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, sixty thousand, whatever it is. Right? How do you pay those student loans back? You know what I mean? Especially in this business. Like, I mean, what's Corner Institute of America now? How much is that school? Oh, it's got to be forty thousand dollars, dude. Forty? Yeah, forty thousand dollars a year. Are you kidding me? Hold on, I'm gonna look it up because I want to know. That's that's a that's a that's a really good question. The number one school in culinary institute, the number one culinary school uh, of a man. I I, do I really suck at typing this bad? (laughs) Jesus, I'm like a fucking hunt and peck over here. Culinary Institute of America tuition. They probably don't even list it. Here we go. Tuition and fees. Um, so thirty six eight is what they're charging. So thirty six thousand dollars, which is a, a, a salary of a young sous chef, right? Yes. If you think about yes. it. Yes. Yes. So for anybody, uh, anybody, so anybody listening, that's what. You said thirty six eight. So that's a little over seventy thousand dollars of yeah. But you know what program, right, dude? This is and you know the worst part about this is is that the website for CIA is actually very confusing because when you type in and this is the problem when you type in culinary CIA tuition and financial aid. So it says your tuition or your education is made affordable and it confuses you. $28 million in student scholarships were awarded. 90% of CIA students receive scholarships and financial aid. Average financial aid for the year is 21.5. I got to get somebody from CIA on here. Yeah. I want to find out because it, it doesn't actually tell me what it is. Hold on. Hey, Siri, what is the tuition? What is the tuition of the Culinary Institute of America? Yeah, I have, I have an Irish guy. I have an Irish guy as my Siri. I, got, I have too I got many women British in my lady. life. <laughs> uh, see, oh, yeah. I, I have too many women. Uh, I've got uh, my daughters, my assistant, my mother, my sister. I've got everybody out there telling me what to do. I, I still, seriously, dude, I cannot find how much it is. It's probably on purpose, too. Yeah, it's not. I, it's, I'm, you know, I just asked and I Googled and did the other way. So the problem is either way, let's think about it. So let's just assume that it's 30, let's say it's 35 to $40,000 a year to go to culinary school. And when you're graduating from culinary school, you're making 12 to $13 an hour, unless you're in New York or California. Yep. Right. Yeah. And that's not a lot of money in today's age, right? 
So, and then you're taken out of that taxes. That's pre-tax. And then you've got to figure out how you're going to pay off your student loans at the same time. Yeah. I have a doctor friend of mine who pays $15,000 a month. For what? For hers. She's a doctor. Oh, wow. She went to medical school specialist the whole nine yards so she spent extra time and she had extra schooling in the whole nine yards but she pays 15 grand a month just so she doesn't get fucked over yeah it's maniacal but this industry does not allow for i hate to say it it doesn't allow for the education of your craft of your trade and then to be able to pay for that at the end at the in the long run yeah and 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 what about people what about what about people who go to culinary school too? And then they get into the business and like, Whoa, hold on. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for 12 hours on my feet, not taking a break. You know? And I mean, let's just face it. Not everybody has it. Right. And so, yeah, you need, you know, but, but on the flip side, on a positive note, there's so, there's so many different avenues in our business that you can do. Right. I mean, look at yourself, right. You got a restaurant, a TV show, you got the, you know, you got the, the podcast. I mean, you know, you want to be a private chef. You want to go on, you know, uh, uh, be a yacht chef. I mean, there's, so there's, there's yeah. ways to make money. It's just a matter of what you want and how motivated you are. Right. What are you telling new hires when they come into your place? Is there, I mean, is, is there, I mean, you guys are obviously you're, you're a well-established restaurant. You guys have a protocol to hiring people, to bringing them in. Are you meeting every employee? Are you having a conversation with each employee before they start working for you? I mean, what is your, is there anything that you're telling employees when they first start working for you? I mean, yeah, we, we, um, myself or, uh, our CDC will do the interview and then we will have someone stage with us at the second interview. And then we'll offer that person a job if, you know, if we liked what we saw and vice versa. Are you paying for that? Uh, it's a one day stage, not paid. Um, we feed, we feed the employee at the end. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if it's a dishwasher, we, we do pay the dishwasher. I always, I just think it's good for people to see the environment, you know, make sure that's what they want to do. Right. Other than just sitting down and having a conversation. Um, you know, if the, if the employees like, hey, yeah, we've had employees come or people come in stage and like, whoa, whoa, this is, this is a little bit maybe too advanced or not advanced enough or whatever. Right. Um, so we'll do that. And then, yeah, I'm very, uh, active and communicative with my employees and we do a 90 day review. We do a yearly review. Um, and I talk to them and I say, Hey, you know what, why are you in this industry? Why do you want to be a chef? I always, I always offer the opportunity for them to talk to me about their career path. Right. Like what do you, cause I, I believe that some people are meant to be private chefs, right? Some people yeah. are meant to be in the restaurant. So, you know, I always, and I think that young chefs, they kind of have tunnel vision cause they just see what they see on TV or on the gram and they don't know what's out there, you know? And so I just try to like give them the opportunity and hopefully you know, down the road, I made an impact and they'll, they'll, you know, have the, you know, they'll give me a call if they need some advice, you know, that's all I can yeah. do. I can just try to give them, you know, get them in the right direction and, and, and try to have integrity and, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, there's, and I agree. I think that there are, there's, you know, it's such a, it's such a glamorous world until you, until you get into it. You know, I mean, there's a glamour yeah. with the TV makes it glamorous. You know, I mean, I'm talking to Amanda Freytag, you know, in, a, in literally an hour, 
You know, I mean, she ran her way through the gauntlet. She worked her way up to where she is right now. She didn't graduate culinary school and all of a sudden become a, a judge on Chopped. You know, right. she worked her butt off. And, I, and honestly, before I even did the research, I didn't know how far she had worked or what she had done. And she busted her ass for many years. Yeah. You know, that's, but, that's but the part that young guys don't see. Exactly. Yeah. Washing dishes. I remember washing dishes at 14 years old on New Year's Eve. Stand in a fucking restaurant until two o'clock in the morning with dishes all around me everywhere as, as far as I could see. I was 14. Dude, total I labor law to break, breaking right there. But yeah, I wanted to be a chef. I, I, I stopped at this catering kitchen called Chefs for Hire at 16. I said, I want to be a chef. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Just teach me. And they didn't have a dishwasher. They had a three compartment sink. And I'd come in on Sundays. Okay. <laughs> I come oh, on no. Sunday and from the night before there'd be crash cores oh, with sea trays and just caked on nasty chicken oh, juice. Oh and I'd scrub God. them by hand. Okay. And, and I, the faster I got to work on the sooner I get to learn how to cook, you know, and that's what I did. Yeah. And the people, and I mean, you probably had it harder than I did. And the, the people before you had it harder than they did, you know, it's like, anyways, there you go. But it's all relative. Again. I mean, that's the thing we've got, but we've got, you know, we have to, either way, the industry's not going to change in that way. Somebody always has to wash a dish. Somebody always has to clean up. You're always, there is no world of, of on the line of working your shift and then walking downstairs, taking your apron off, putting your jacket on and getting into your car and going home. You know, even when I was a corporate exec and I had 11 restaurants under my belt, I closed a restaurant every Saturday night. I worked a line every Saturday night. I would take my station. I would scrub it. I would walk down the line. I would scrub the front of all of my guys' boxes, all the fronts of their equipment. And then I would say, all right, guys, I got to go in the walk-in. And my guys would finish doing that cleanup process. You know, they would wrap my station for me. They would count my station and all of that. But there, but they knew that I was going to do that every night, no matter what it was. But I also changed a lot of things too. I changed. I never had the same guys closing on Friday and Saturday nights. So if you were working yeah. Friday and you closed Friday, I don't want you closing Saturday. I want you first out Saturday. But sure. I also wanted two week schedules, so you could have a schedule two weeks out, so you knew what was going to happen and what was going on. Yep. You no, know, so you could spend time with your wife or your girlfriend, and I saw a huge, a huge change, a huge shift in the morale of the kitchen when I started to do that. And I always talk about the first ten years of being in the industry, and I was a fucking dick my first ten years. <laughs> you know, dude, I went from working at the Four Seasons in Philadelphia to working yeah. in uh, in a kitchen in 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 Key Largo, Florida with a chef who used to throw potatoes. I worked for the godfather of kitchens in Philadelphia under Jean-Marie Lacroix, who shook your hand and thanked you for coming to work every day, who had a, a fresh, white, crisp jacket on every single day. So I went to fat, sloppy Jay Anderson in, Fort, in, in Key Largo, Florida, who used to throw baked potatoes at servers' heads when they pissed them off as they walked out the kitchen, out of the door of the kitchen. <laughs> You know, I mean, throwing fucking plates and burning you. And, you know, he would take saute pans and put them across the back of your arm and be like, ah, it's going to leave a fucking mark tomorrow. I thought I was in hell, literally in a 120 degree kitchen. I thought I was in fucking hell, you know, and that's what I thought. I thought that the Four Seasons was fake. 
And I became that dick. And then I realized that my employees, I wasn't getting out of the employees what I wanted because I wasn't giving anything to them but stress and heartache. Sure. And that was when I opened up and I started to see a huge shift in the change was that dynamic of, well, why don't you guys run a couple specials this week? What do yep. you guys want to see? What do you guys want to do? You know, there were a couple of really cool things that I started to change around and, and I saw a huge shift in the employees and, and, I, and I feel bad for the employees that used to work for me back then. Because I was such a dick. Yeah, but so. you learned, right? And I think, I think that you you learn by who taught you, right? So you learned from that guy. You had you learn a bad habit. But then on the flip mm-hmm. side, we're always we're always evolving in this business. There's yeah. no there's no like the heart. I tell that my chefs the hardest thing for us in our business, like the hard work, the coming, the, you know, coming up with a special and all that stuff. That stuff. We enjoy doing that. The hardest part is managing the people. The you. hardest part. Yeah. How do you, yep. each person's different, right? Like a kitchen's full of misfits, right? That's how I like to describe it. Every individual is different and you <laughs> have to know how this person needs to be. Maybe you need to be more of a dick to this person, right? Because he needs that or she needs that, whatever. And maybe this person needs to be like coddled a little bit. You gotta, you gotta know the parameters of your employees. You need to know your employees. Right. That's, that's, Regardless, you know. Yeah, so. I love that 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 standing next to you know standing next to a guy peeling onions and just finding out who he is, especially a new hire. Yep. Where are you from? Do you have family? Are you married? Do you have a girlfriend? You know, like having those conversations. One, it makes your day go faster while you're trying to bang out work. Two, you're communicating, you're talking, you're learning. You're going to be spending a lot of time with this person in the next couple of months. You know, this yep. is an opportunity for you guys to get to know each other. And I've done the. You know, I mean, I've done the fine dining, you know, Michelin places and where there's no communication. It's not fun. You know, no, it's not as much no, fun as, as, as some of the restaurants that we have now. I agree. I agree. hundred percent. It's about, I mean, it's about, Constant. you know, we're, well, kind of, like you say, communication. And I mean, listen, everybody knows the restaurant business. It, you're like a family, you know what I mean? Through the good, through the bad. You know, you gotta, you gotta take care of one another. It's a stressful, it's a stressful environment, but you know, instead of making it more stressful, let's make it, let's make it enjoyable. Yeah. So what's your, uh, so what's going forward for you from this point forward? I mean, are you guys going to, are you ever going to do another restaurant? Is that something that would be under your belt? Another concept, something to that effect, or are you guys just really happy where you are? I mean, we're definitely happy. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing or the biggest focus right now for us, you know, the restaurant does kind of run itself at this point. I mean, we're, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it, it's still a lot of work, right. But, um, the pasta company is a real big focus and goal of mine. Um, you know, we're, we're delivering, uh, pasta throughout the Midwest, working with like a couple different distributors. And so just trying to grow that, you know, that's like been my, that's been another, venture that I don't know a lot about, like the whole foods, what it, um, the retail side of food. Right. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and, and then we're focused on, uh, catering. The catering has been a big one. So we've just this, this year we've teamed up with a, like a local, um, wedding venue. And so we're one of the preferred caterers there. We're just kind of working on that. And, um, you know, the restaurant itself kind of, we peaked at our business, right. You know what I mean? Like we can't really, hard to do more revenue. So yeah, I think the yeah. next, the next step is some catering. Um, but yeah, you know what, for, for another restaurant at the moment, I don't think 
if I think if somebody knocked on the door tomorrow and said, Hey, we'll give you this really great deal. And I think I would decline. Um, I just, I just don't, the landscape of all the restaurants right now, there's just so many of them. And it's just, I just yeah. think, I think you're going to see a bubble pop and maybe when that pops, maybe, maybe we'll do another restaurant, but at the, at the time it's, yeah, nothing's on, nothing's in the works. Got it. What about you? Well, dude, uh, I am, uh, actually I just signed the papers. Uh, I am opening up an eighties themed bar in New York. Cool. So I partnered up with these guys on a consultant and partnership level. Um, yeah, just to do some, you know, I, I, I want to do fun things now. I've worked, I work my fucking balls off and I have a boatload of fun doing it, but I want to work with fun people on fun projects anymore. You know, I don't work with jackass sure. clients anymore. I don't work with people that don't pay their bills. Um, you know, that was the hardest part of coming out of bar rescue, you know, 10, I mean, shit, 10 years ago or however many years ago that I left, the hardest part about coming out of that was the consulting jobs that I were, I was taking were people that were struggling in their restaurants and, you know, the, the, the lore of being a consultant and getting involved in that and being able to fix somebody was a great vision, but you have to realize that they got there for a reason. And you just can't change people. So I can go in and put, put a new coat of paint on. I can train your staff and make them as happy as you want them to be so that they can execute. But at the end of the day, they didn't have the money. You know, they, they don't know how to handle that part of it. So, um, for me, and I have great clients. I'm not saying that people owe me money or anything. I have great clients that I work with now, and I've limited to my clients down to a very small select few because once I started to do the show for Food Network and all that stuff, I wasn't able to dedicate the time that I needed to work with new clients. And I was shirking my responsibilities at that part. And I knew that. And, I, and I'd let people, certain people know hey, I just don't have the time to do this project with you. Here's another consultant that I suggest that you use. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I want to, I want to work on fun projects. So I've got a property that's going on with that up there. I've, um, just partnered up with a woman, um, uh, out in Alaska. Uh, she does these pretty awesome booze infused cookies, um, that we're going to play with over the next couple of years and really grow that brand for her. She's a very aggressive entrepreneur. She lives in Alaska, dude. And she's a very aggressive entrepreneur and we've become very good friends over the last couple of years. And we finally signed the papers on that. And then, uh, I, I was, uh, I had a restaurant in Tijuana that I worked with a bunch of guys for a while. And, um, now we're working towards doing a whole bunch of stuff with olives and olive oil and all that. So, you know, I'm playing around with a lot of cool things. The podcast is a huge focus for me right now. Yeah. Huge focus for me right now. Well, so. listen, I've been listening to it and I love it and you're doing a great job. I mean, and Thanks, thank you man. for having me on. I think this is, uh, it was, it was really cool. I really appreciate it. But I think these are the conversations that I genuinely enjoy because we've gone back and forth. You know, there was a period of time where, Hey, I wanted, I wanted, you know, a food network chef on the show with me, but in reality, it got locked up in the world of publicists and managers and agents and preset questions and you know people being on the other line and cutting in when we were trying to have conversation because they didn't like the line of questioning. This is a conversation of what the, the, the idea of a live show is. I would rather talk to yeah. you about the industry so that other people can hear that there are one, struggles out there that we all share across the board, but two, that there's solutions for that. 
Like, you know, when I said to you, what are you, you know, what are you saying to your employees when they first start with you? How are you, you know, holding on to employees? And um, do you know Ford Fry? Have you ever heard of Ford Fry? Uh, no. Ford, he's, if you get a chance, just Google Ford. He owns a couple restaurants down in um, Atlanta, down, he just moved into Kentucky and he's got some stuff in Tennessee and um, he's a very talented chef, but his model for his employees is unlike anything that I've ever seen. The way that he treats his employees, the way that he rewards them, the way that his staff is. I mean, I walked into one of his places in Atlanta a couple months ago and the entire staff was just there was a glow amongst the entire staff because the upper management team treats them so well and not in a coddling way, but in an accountability slash educational way, they really take care yeah. of their employees that, that the execution was spot on to the point that one of his sous chefs ended up coming and working for me for a demonstration that I had the next night. And she heard, you know, she took me around Atlanta to all the dive bars that I wanted to see. You know, and, and having a conversation with her and listening to her um, kind of talk about the way that she feels when she works within the industry in that restaurant group was unlike anything I'd ever heard. So do a little research. Check out Chad, uh, Ford Fry. He's a very talented dude, man. Super okay, talented. Okay, I'm going to do that. Yeah, he's a really good chef. And, and, and I felt the same way about Rocco. You know, the way that Rocco talks about his employees and the adoration that he has for them and the admiration that he has for those people that are executing his vision. That's a big thing. Yep. You know, and it I is. think I like people to hear that on this show. So. Totally. Yeah. But. All right, brother. Well, I know we both got lives we got to get to and we got restaurants and family, even though it's Monday. We're recording on Monday, but this will air on Friday, everybody. It's live because we don't edit throughout this entire process. But um, uh, Live and honest. Dude, yeah. Thanks for hopping on, man. I really do appreciate it. No, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it as well, bro. You know, and after – and I, I'd love to get you back on if you ever got anything. Um, you know, I, I love kind of doing recaps with people and finding out where people are and what they're doing moving forward, so – um, but, uh, why okay. don't you do us a favor? Let everybody know last time, uh, you know, who you are and how people can get in contact with you or follow you. And, uh, we'll go from there. Chef Matt Mitro from flower restaurant out here in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. And you can find me on Instagram at chef underscore Mitro M Y T R O and the same handle for, for Twitter. And just so you know that I talked to Rocco about coming out and doing a little bar crawl. Um, so we're going to have to make that happen. I'll, I'm going to try to hop into oh. that hopefully before before June. I want to get out there and spend some time with you guys and come into your spots. And, you know, I'd love to see your operations. And I love getting in the kitchen and, you know, just fucking even if it's coming in and prepping with you guys for a couple hours, like that's my heaven. I love that stuff. So, yeah, let, let me know. We'll take you. Uh, our possum facility is um, about 10 minutes from the restaurant. So we'll take heavy at the restaurant. We'll take you over there. and You can see the machines and everything. It's pretty cool. I'd love to. I'd love to. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for hopping on. And uh, I'll talk to you later, man. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Cheers, brother. Bye-bye.
So uh, there we go again. You know, I, I, I find I feel like especially after doing as many episodes as we have that I kind of repeat myself in certain cases on certain things, like at the end of a conversation. You know, one of the things that I've liked about my, Matt Mitro over all of these years is is the growth that he's had from starting with that stove monkeys world into a father, a husband, an entrepreneur, a business operator, a business owner, you know, a chef who's on a different level than just just the creativity level anymore. You know, now he's got to worry about that labor and that liquor and 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 all of that. And for anybody out there who's in the who's not in the industry who listens to this, if you're still listening, like these are conversations that we have. Like it's so funny to 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 see as we get a little bit further into the industry, the way that our priorities change and the way that we change things around. And now we're really the number one thing that we all focus on. And, and this is what I find is a general theme for most of the chefs that I talk to is how are we retaining our staff? What are we doing to better the lives of our staff and get them in and, and, and keep them? You know, we want them to be there because we spend time with them. We train them and to be able to constantly turning people over or constantly training people is not only a waste of dollars and time, it's a waste of creative energy. You know, we're sharing what it is that we, we have with you. And if you're just going to be there for two months and hop out because somebody offered you 50 cents more, like you need to have that conversation with somebody within the restaurant. Not only that, that's 20 bucks more a week. You know, I've, I've seen people leave for, for $10 more a week, you know, and, and in some cases, but we as owners and operators can't just throw money at somebody to make them, to help to keep them. You know, we have a budget, we have a dollar, we have to, we have to squeeze everything that we can out of that dollar because of the fact that, you know, this is the business and it's getting harder and harder to run the business. Um, but we want you guys, we want the employees, we want you guys to come to us with, with your requests. You know, what are you looking for when you're, when you're going for a job? Are you just looking for a dollar or are you looking for an education? Are you looking for a future? Are you looking for a career or is this just a stepping point? If, if I understand what it is that you're looking for when you go into that, then guess what? We can have a great relationship moving forward. And a lot of times when you just tell me you're coming in as a part-timer, you're going to end up working full-time anyway. Because a lot of times you realize what you're learning and what you're gaining from being within that space at that time is an investment in your future. So um, I am so stoked that we got Matt on. Uh, I, I really am. I've, I've been a fan of his for, for a bunch of years um, the entrepreneurial spirit that he has when he started with Stove Monkey and and all the way up to now. So um, everybody, do me a favor and check him out. And that is uh, Matt Mitro. So uh, cheers to you, brother. Thanks for hopping on. Um, that's going to be the end of the show for today. I really appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Um, we're really excited about the the level um, of where we've been. Um, you know, we bypassed our 125th episode, and uh, I'm really excited about that happening. That was a big mark for me um, with the boys of Radio Influence. I mean, um, you know, the relationship that we all have is really cool and it's a lot of fun. So check out the boys from radioinfluence.com. Go and listen to some of their other podcasts. Um, they have a boatload of stuff. Jerry Dunwood does one that's all about mental health. Um, which is something that's not talked about all the time. You know, and Jerry has a great partner that he talks to and, um, the episodes that they put together, they touch on different topics during each week. Um, 
Jason, uh, who does a bunch of stuff with uh, the NFL and then also with the UFC, you know, and he does great recaps and interviews of some of these fighters and they're brilliant interviews. They're really great. They're, they're, they're well executed. They have good questions. Um, so check out some of the other podcasts by these guys. Maggie Gagliardi out there at Mag's Art. She's awesome. We love her. Her talent is unmatched, does all of our promo pieces. Michelle Techno Solution. You guys hear me talk about her on a weekly basis. We're doing a contest right now. If you use the code Chef Duffy, um, she can do a, uh, do a rehaul of your menu um, with design. Okay, for a limited price and for a limited time. So check out Michelle out there and uh, just email her. Reach out to her through social media, whatever. Um, tell her that I sent you. You can use a code Chef Duffy. Not that there's a place to put a code, but the opportunity's out there to get with her. Um, we're heading into nightclub and bar in a couple of weeks. I'm really excited about that as well. Um, some of my favorite chefs are going to be out there with me, and hopefully I'll get to see you guys out there as well. So everybody do me a favor and go out there and just be nice to people. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>